Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Earl Johnston from Hypatia Industries. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And I think Rog is dead. So oh. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have on as... Uh, he had a good run. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have on as special guests uh, Jalen Davenport. Hi, Jalen. Hi, all done. And also Nathan Carido. Quarido. How you doing? Say it again for me. Carido. Carido. <laughs> Nathan Carido. <laughs> <laughs> and here we're going to be uh, talking in a kind of different format than we usually do. We're going to have an episode called Shootout at the Local Dev Corral. So we're going to be talking about local development and what we use and why mine is better than yours. Okay. <laughs> um, so let, let's talk about it, you know, just generally for a little bit first. So what is a local dev environment? And I'll give you my kind of take on it and what do we use it for? And if anyone wants to get their two cents in, you know, by all means, um, but a local dev environment is kind of where the sausage is made. You know, it's the environment that we use to build something. And we have all of our uh, dev mode enabled and developer tools running and all that kind of good stuff. And we want something that we can use to develop and debug a project um, that then is going to end up live somewhere else. Does that sound kind of reasonable? Yeah, I think that's the right way to do it. Uh you still see some people that you know will FTP into a server and do it live. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've he seen and heard of clients that will ask you to actually VPN to their servers and uh, right. do development on there. But you know, if you're doing things the right way, yeah, this is uh, your local setup and you know all of your things that help you realize what's going wrong or what's going right and do things the right way. Yeah, and you raise a good point. So the the reason why we have one to begin with is. People don't need to see how the sausage is made, right? They just need to see the nice end result of it. Um, and I think doing it live the way you're talking about it, I mean, it scares the crap out of me, to be honest with you. Um, it's like working on an engine while you're driving the car down the road. I mean, it just seems like a, seems like a terrible idea. But, uh, you know, there may be cases where you might actually uh, need to do that. You never used Mountie back in the day? I, I never did. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you tell us the glories of Mountie? <laughs> Mountie was uh, what was it? The ability to, uh, yeah, use um, you could change your expression it, engine templates. Like um, yeah, it was yeah. back in so like expression engine back in the day, you had to change your templates by uh, editing them in the control panel. Oh, so Mountie <laughs> allows you to. Um, sort of mount the remote file system on your local machine, and then you could work on it that way. But you were essentially still cowboy coding a live site. Yeah, every time you hit save, you were writing to the database in MySQL, or it, I don't know. It was doing some really interesting oh, things. Dear it was, God, yeah. it was like a, it was like a huge hack. <laughs> it felt really cool until you realized how scary it was. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, that's no different than just. SSHing into the live server and just editing stuff, or, or, or no, that's exactly what it was. Or, or yeah. just using MySQL and like editing the live database, yes. you know. And I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will admit, I have done it before, and there are, there are cases where you need to do this stuff. But really, we want a local dev environment so that we can make mistakes, 
and that the uh, the client and then also the end users don't see those mistakes, right? So we want kind of an, like a safe little sandbox that we can play around with until we can produce something that we think is ready for other people to, to kind of look at. And, uh, you know, I want to say we, everyone here has a different local dev environment that they want to use. Um, and we may make fun of you for your choice, <laughs> but just deal with it. It's not a big deal. You are not your tool, you know, so don't take anything personally. Uh, so let's talk about it. Like, let, let's see who uses what. Let's just kind of run down the list. So I, I myself, I currently use Homestead, and we'll get into the, the details of what all this stuff is later. Earl, what do you use? Well, so I'm the, I'm the lazy bum here out of everyone. I'm really excited to talk about all this stuff because uh, a, a lot of my projects, um, I'm not working on the actual live site, but uh, usually host things on like a subdomain. So I do have a separation, like a separation between live and development, but um, I'm usually working on a server uh, somewhere. So you're cowboy coding the staging server, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, because again, I'm just a, I'm a one-man shop and, and uh, I'm just, yeah, I mean, I, I know that, that this, there's more writer ways to do this. Um, more but, writer yeah, ways? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, oh, dear God. But uh, We know what you mean. Yeah, I, have, yeah I, haven't, I haven't gotten there. I haven't gotten there yet. Because uh, again, just a one-man shop, like my motivation is really low, uh, but... I know that I need to do it. So I'm interested to hear about everybody else's setups. All right. So do you ever do anything locally? Like you've got a, I know you run Linux at home. Do you ever do anything just locally on that machine? Or are you always connected to a staging server somewhere, somehow? Yeah. So sometimes I, I pull, like usually that's, if I'm going to, if I'm really going to, like I'm trying to think of, some, I'm, I'm working on this really ancient, like pre big commerce site right now that they're trying to transition to big commerce. So I pulled down their database locally to start like hacking around with stuff um, to try and work up the import scripts. So in that uh, case, your local dev environment is it's just my Ubuntu box. Like, yeah. You don't really have one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly, and we're, exactly, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about that too, like a custom setup. So right. mm. um, uh, Jalen, what do you use? Uh, pretty big fan of Laravel Valet over here. Uh, it's easy to set up uh, at least in terms of the non gooey options out there in my opinion i've played around with a bunch of them but uh it's just simple and uh runs locally on your mac and i really enjoy it jonathan jonathan yeah i might better un better unmute my mic if i want to answer <laughs> so i am uh, i am a huge fan of uh, um homestead so i use homestead for everything um i came from using mamp back in the day but um, I appreciate uh, the flexibility. You get a little bit more flexibility um, with a true virtual machine running. So Homestead's pretty much it for me. And since Rog is either dead or, I don't know, <laughs> he might be reanimated now as a zombie, you, you might have to talk some, uh, some MAMP stuff. Rog, are you actually here now? Yeah, I'm here. I don't know if my Wi-Fi has issues, but I'm here. <laughs> okay. So uh, what do you primarily use for local dev, Michael? Um, I primarily use MAMP, and I really like it. Um, and I've bounced around stuff like Homestead and Valet and home spinning my own server runners. Um, but, but I just really like MAMP. All right. I'm going to take you to task on that. Nathan, how about yourself? So I've been using Nanobox for the last half a year, uh, eight months, and I'm, I'm kind of in love with it, actually. 
So Nanobox is something that used to be based on Vagrant, the way that Homestead is, but now is based on Docker. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. yeah. You still have, when you install the the Nanobox installer, it still uses, at the moment, VirtualBox. Um, but everything's done for you with a, with a script, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and Patrick, how about yourself? Uh, day-to-day, I, I use Valet, uh, like Jalen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've used many of these tools at some point, though. So, um, you know, and I'm a little bit of a self-loathing valet user. So <laughs> I'm hoping to leave like invigorated and ready to finally do Homestead or yeah. something. Well, and that, that's the interesting thing to keep in mind is that, you know, everyone here is reasonably intelligent and has picked different choices and has different reasons for ending up where they are. Um, but one of the things that I want to talk about first, though, is what Earl was talking about in terms of how he is doing it uh, on the server. And Earl, don't get mad at me. No, no, go, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I came in ready. So I, I think it's actually fine if you're just using kind of a staging server as your development environment. The, the issue is, though, that there are certain config things that you could be doing that will then affect the live production server, potentially, right? Like if you slip a finger and you end up that you're using the production database instead of the staging database, like really bad things can happen, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then the other thing, and this may not be an issue for you, but for me, I I sometimes work on a laptop somewhere and I like to have a self-contained environment that I don't have to be connected to anything, you know? If I've got a few hours on the airplane and, and dear God, like don't try doing any remote dev work on airplane Wi-Fi, okay? Like, this is not going to work. But it's nice to have an environment self-contained on my laptop that I can work anywhere, right? And the other thing that you mentioned that you do is you kind of have a a custom setup. So you're running Linux, and you just kind of run everything off of there. And we had a very similar situation with uh, Lindsay DiLoretto, who was on our last podcast, where... As of a couple of months ago, he was just kind of using a, a homebrew, not homebrew the installer package, right, yeah. but just his own setup. And the real problem there was that nobody could help him with it because nobody knows exactly what custom setup he was running into. So when he was asking for help on a particular issue, no one could really help him. Whereas if he was using a predefined package, you know, whether it was MAMP or valet or homestead or nanobox or whatever there are people that have experience with that layer of tooling that would be able to help them out but on his site or his uh, setup it was all custom right right? so when he had a problem we're like i don't know like (laughs) it depends on (laughs) what's installed i don't know what's here i don't know what's there and it just becomes really really everything (laughs) it, it, it does and that and that's one of the things that no matter what tool you're using it's really a good idea to be using some kind of a tool, like some kind of a layer, because then you're getting a a deterministic setup and there's going to be people out there that have experience with it that can help you out when you need to do a a particular thing or something is broken or something isn't working or or whatever. Um, So my advice to you, Earl, and then you, the royal you, if you're listening and you don't have some kind of a tool that you're using for your local set uh, dev setup um, is that you get one because I think that it is and no matter what choice you decide to make it's something that it will take care of a, a layer of things for you that you won't have to worry about when you move to a new machine it's not going to be a big deal to get everything set up again 
And if you have problems, there are people that you can talk to that will understand that tool and be able to help you work it out. Right. So, I mean, my kind of specifically, I think it like a tool that has a a pretty large community of people interested in it that Mm -hmm. has good documentation and that has some way of easily getting data in and out so you can move it around between computers, like, like pick a tool that will make, you know, that has some, some momentum behind it. Right. Not just like, not, not just any tool, but like a specific bubble of tools that serves this purpose. Yeah. And I think you just want to, you know, you want to specialize in the place where you're going to add the most value and that's going to be in your, your core skill set of writing web code of, you know, doing user experience work, whatever it is, setting up your local environment, like someone's figured that out and they've spent all their time on it. Let them get it right. Yes. Uh, So my only, my only question that, that, that comes to mind with stuff like this is, you know, think, things change so quickly. I mean, already you talked about, uh, like, Nanobox is a variant of, it was based on Vagrant, and now it's based on Docker, and things are changing all the time. So this isn't really a defense. I know what I'm doing isn't, isn't the right way. But, uh, you know, if I'm running things on the server, like in a staging environment, the way that I'm doing, my, I know my, my production and staging environment are exactly the same, and there's no, there's like no, I don't know if middleware is exactly like the term, it's probably not, but there's no, you know, there, if, if Vagrant falls out of favor and it stops being maintained or something, and, and, and then, you know what I mean? Like, there's a whole... I could invest a lot of time in getting these things set up and then have them disappear in, like, a year or two and have to start all over, whereas what I'm doing now, which, again, I recognize is not perfect or even great, uh, there's, n- there's no concern for that. Yeah, the only so. thing I would say to that is if, if you want to do it the way that you're doing it... Um, what I would definitely do is I would have a separate VPS for your staging server, mm-hmm. right? Like just wall it off, right? Because yeah. it hasn't happened yet, but right. if it happens, yeah. it's going to be a unmitigated yeah. disaster. going to have a bad time, right? Yeah. You're going to have yeah. a really, really, really bad time when you stomp on the wrong thing. Yeah, you're right. Of course. Yeah, you're right. But that's a good, that's a good point though, um, is that like the point of a, a big value that these tools provide is that your dev environment is guaranteed to be the same as your production environment. But that value is not necessarily specific to a particular tool, right? Like Homestead, for example, the big value of Homestead for me is that it provides a pretty identical experience to what I get deploying a site via Forge. The value of MAMP for me is that it mirrors on my local box the Nginx setup that I have on my production box. If Vagrant goes away, that's actually fine because the right. value that it prov- that, that Homestead provided me was I built this project and I made the decision that you know I'm going to pick a tool and an environment. And so for this project, I developed it in a context where my local was the same as my production. If Vagrant goes away, that value doesn't necessarily go away. Right, and the fact that Nginx changes, you know, doesn't mean that MAMP is necessarily like fragile. It just means that the version of Nginx that MAMP needs to run is going to get incremented. But like, I guess what I'm saying is there's there's some abstraction between you know the brand name of the tool and the actual value that it provides. Yeah, Michael, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but you 
It sounds like you're shucking oysters or something in the background. <laughs> I'm, I'm gesticulating very enthusiastically. All right. Well, calm. I'll, I'll try to be. I'll try to be a bit calmer. Yeah, cool your jets, man, because it really did sound like you're shucking oysters back there. And yeah, I'm interested in what you have to say, yeah. but all I could think about was the oysters. Yeah. You know. But yeah, duly noted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to talk. Let's, uh, Rog, let's let you go next, okay? You got to chill out, you know, strap your arms down or something. If we're um, going to talk about MAMP, I'm going to get real excited. We are going to talk about MAMP, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a setup regarding MAMP. Okay. Uh, the, the, the things that I don't like about MAMP, all right? So, first of all, in the, in the craft slack, there have been no end of issues with people trying to get MAMP set up and working. And a lot of times the answer has been, look, why don't you just try getting it set up with valet? It'll probably be easier, right? And the real issue, though, that I have with MAMP is it tries to be this nice, friendly, GUI tool. But you end up having to use the MySQL and MySQLD uh, and, and MySQL dump and some other stuff. You, have, you end up using the binaries that are actually installed in that app itself. And MAMP, to me, um, kind of feels a little bit like some of these older tools like, you know, I don't know, uh, Dreamweaver or Coda or whatever, that try to wrap a nice gooey layer around something. But that something that they're trying to wrap is, has become so varied and has, be, has been changing so quickly that I, ju I just can't see how it's viable. So tell me how I'm wrong. Well, um a big piece of value that MAMP provides for me is it lets me run different instances of things like PHP in different versions right. for different projects. Uh, so the fact that, that MAMP has its own PHPs, plural, its own, its own PHPs internal to it uh, enables that really easy switching, right? If I want to, if I'm testing a, a, a plugin or I'm, you know, troubleshooting somebody's plugin issue, I can switch to their version of PHP for my, my support environment. If and it's there. Troubleshoot something. So, so like, if it's I mean, there I, and, and yeah, the PHP.ini stuff you need to manage with MAMP has all this magic where it, you know, tries to pair the GUI to the old school PHP.ini. That's where I've always run into a lot of issues. And I get what it's trying to do. Like, I love what it's trying to do. I love that it's trying to solve this problem in a user-friendly way. Um, right. But it ends up being kind of user-hostile when things are not up-to-date or things are well, not... Well, and it kind of reminds me of Patrick's favorite uh, code kit, which is supposed to be this uh, kind of GUI tool for... Hi, Patrick. You and you know you still use Coda. Is it? it look at your dock right now, Earl. Earl, okay. is Coda? Is that little green leaf still on the dock? Yeah. Yes, it is. He, yes, it is. Of course, absolutely. it is. Also, are we, are we not using Dreamweaver anymore? I just want to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point is, okay, Andrew, my, hold, Andrew, on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me just set it up, and I'll let you talk for as long as you want. My my <laughs> issue with all of these, my issue with all of these GUI tools is that they're trying to wrap a really nice GUI layer around something. And I love that in concept. But the thing they're trying to wrap, in CodeKit's case, they're basically trying to wrap it around you know, a, a build system like a Gulp or a Webpack or whatever. 
And in MAMP's case, it's trying to wrap it around a server environment. And in all of these cases, the underlying thing has become so varied in terms of what people might use and changes so rapidly that there just seem to be so many problems trying to uh, trying to get these things to work. Go ahead. Sure. I think I think that's not exactly a a completely fair accusation, and I'll tell you why. Um, CodeKit is actually a really good parallel example, right? CodeKit mm-hmm. doesn't wrap Gulp or Grunt. CodeKit is like a sibling in the solution space of Gulp or Grunt. Mm-hmm. CodeKit wants to wrap things like SAS and JSMin and JSLint and like the individual tools. It wants to put a nice interface around them so that you can you know, have a nice build process that you, you click a button and everything runs according to your configuration. Well, that's exactly what Gulp and Grunt are doing, right? You don't sit there and, you know, individually run your SAS and run your LESS and run your JSLint and run your whatever, right? Gulp provides you an interface and it's not, you know, a, an OS ten GUI interface, but it is a, an umbrella that sort of gathers these system level tools and and gives them uh, you know makes it easier to interact with them and and I feel like MAMP is um, is doing much the same thing right the fact that it's a GUI is a bit of a red herring right. right if it was a command line thing that I ran that turns some servers on and off directly on a machine fine um, but I think that the fact that it's wrapping up lower level stuff isn't necessarily scary I mean PHP doesn't increment that quickly and when it does I have found especially um, in MAMP4 like that they're pretty quick about releasing an update that includes the newest version of PHP and your php.ini config doesn't actually change that rapidly um, I mean I, I manage probably a hundred projects and I have never run into a situation in development where you know, I need to be doing something bleeding edge, so bleeding edge that I can't wait two weeks for MAMP to push an update. Um, where people do get into, I think, confusion and frustration um, around the abstraction bubble that, that MAMP provides is when specifically the, the problem that I have run into a lot of times and that I've seen people in the Slack talking about a lot of times is when you are trying to interact with PHP on the command line and right. you, your shell doesn't know whether it's talking to your system PHP or to MAMP's internal PHP. Or, or the so, system's MySQL versus MAMP's MySQL. Right. So, yeah. so I think this is a pretty niche problem. It has, like, I've only run into it a few times when I'm trying to do, um, like, my own custom commands in craft, um, and, and then I run some custom commands using, using craft's command runner, um, and the environment isn't there because... Um, the PHP that I'm running is on my system, and the PHP that has access to my .env environment is the one inside of MAMP. And so it's just an issue of you go, you set your paths, and and you run that same command using MAMP's PHP. MAMP has some features where it will like reroute your system daemons to the internal MAMP 
daemons and I choose not to do that because it's a bit of magic under the hood that I can't see and because I can't see it, don't trust it, right? So I would rather set my own custom path. MAMP will help you with that if you want. But that's such a niche problem and it does have a solution um, that like compared to my gripes about other uh, environments that I've tried, um, it's just really minor. And the value that MAMP does provide, um, which is really easily being able to switch back and forth between Apache and Nginx, being able to switch between PHP versions, um, that value is is what I need. And the gripe is so very small and solvable by comparison. All right. So let me just uh, a couple of things that you mentioned there. So I agree with you that the fact that it's a GUI is kind of a, a red herring and it doesn't really matter. Like it could be a CLI tool that tries to wrap all this stuff up, but it is relevant that it's a GUI tool in that a GUI tool tends to make it more accessible to people. And I think that's why a lot of people end up using things like CodeKit or MAMP, because honestly, a lot of times a GUI tool uh, is less intimidating and is, is easier to use. Um, I think CodeKit, for example, um, as you mentioned, it tries to abstract away some of these build steps, which is great, until you want to use Tailwind CSS. And then how do you build that into your CodeKit workflow? Or right. until you want to do critical CSS, and how do you build that in? And I think there is just no way that CodeKit specifically is going to be able to keep up with the rapid changing uh, development environment. Now, right. with MAMP, you're right. I mean, the, the server environment is a little bit less crazy uh, in terms of how often and, and how quickly it changes. I'm just looking at how many support questions that I see in the craft slack having to do with MAMP. And it's, you know, maybe people just aren't as familiar with it as you are. But I've just seen all sorts of issues all over the place where, you know, the the database backup uh, isn't working because it doesn't point to the right MySQLD. And it, it seems like MAMP is trying to kind of, it is trying to do some magic behind the curtains to make all this stuff happen. And that can be really nice until it doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, it's a complete nightmare to try and diagnose and figure it out and, and get it working. Right. I, I don't think we see so many kinds of issues. I think we see pretty much one kind of issue just a lot. over and over yeah. and over okay, again. Okay, that's fair. That's which, fair. Is, which is, if you are trying to talk to that internal environment from outside of that internal environment, then you have to understand that you are doing that. You're like piercing right. the bubble, and you, you have to understand, you know, from a command line standpoint, you know, how to set the path so that you're talking to the correct PHP. But this is, you know, as simple as, as looking it up on, on Stack Exchange or, you know, screaming about it. So you, you, you know, Michael, come, you're come kind of, you're kind of fading out. So let me, uh, let me, you're correct. You're correct, Andrew. There are some things, if you're doing an esoteric thing, like when I uh, was originally developing Printmaker and I needed ghost script on my server. Well, MAMP didn't have ghost script and installing ghost script into MAMP's environment was a little bit tricky. So I moved to Homestead for a while and then MAMP got GhostScript and it was fine. But right. like for the 90% case of people just developing PHP websites on Apache or Nginx, 
who don't need to be doing super esoteric stuff, I really think the value outweighs the um, the gripes. And again, like every system, like Homestead has mapping and routing issues when I'm trying to talk to Homestead. You know, I have to figure out if I'm shelled into the right VM or whatever. Like there's there's these sorts of things that you just you just have to know how yeah. something, you know, Can how I'm, your environment works and you just know how to work with it. And that's part I think, of it. I think Nathan, Nathan wants to jump in here. So go ahead. Nathan. I, wanna, I wanna play devil's advocate a bit here. Do it. Um, we, we love devils. <laughs> for me, for me, I'm, I'm, I, I guess you could say I'm a designer who develops on the, you know, and um, I'm better designer than developer, but I have to, I'm a one man shop as well. And I want something that I don't need to think about. I might, developer sites. I do Django projects sometimes. I do mostly craft stuff now, other PHP framework things or some static site using Silex or Lumen. Um, And I want something I don't need to think about. I don't want to think about half a year down the line, how did I configure that again? What's that command? And then I've got to go find it and I've got to go ask. I've got to go badger Andrew or some other person. I hate that. And I want to have all the stuff. I don't don't want to be, I'm not DevOps. I'm, I'm, I'm a designer slash developer. Maybe I'm a niche kind of guy doing different kind of projects for people, but I often have to touch WordPress sites for clients. They just say, I've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I agree. Whatever pays the bills, man. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. I agree. We all have... Well, and it's, we not, all have yeah. it's not just that, that we don't want to mess with the config and have to like track that in our brains. Sometimes it actually just doesn't matter. Right. Like for, for so many projects, the stock... Nginx PHP or Apache PHP or whatever, the, the stock out of the box config works fine. The thing you're doing isn't actually that complicated, right. so you don't you don't need to like stack yourself on you know a mattress tower of config just so that you can like feel good about the robustness of your local dev environment. Like if if you don't have to think about it then don't think about it. I, I agree with you, Michael. Like most web projects, you should not need to have the ability to run both Nginx and Apache because unless you're doing something really bizarre, like your website just shouldn't care which which web server that it's running. But uh, Jalen, uh, why don't we get you in here to talk about this a little bit? Jalen, there we in are. So are you, you used to use MAMP, is that correct, Jalen? Oh, a while back, yes. So think, you yeah. now have the zeal of the converted. You you <laughs> yeah. use um, valet, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's kind of been a journey. Um, I think back when I joined the Craft Slack initially, I, I kind of I found the DevOps channel and just enjoyed that immensely. So I jumped to Vagrant for a little bit, and then over to Docker, and I kind of landed on valet finally. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of I think uh, what Nathan was saying, you know, in terms of just you know you want it. You know, you want to set something up and just let it run, and you don't want to have to bother about starting stuff and stopping stuff and fixing that. And I kind of just found Valet to solve that for me. Um, it automatically starts when my computer boots, and you know, I it, all my sites are automatically serving from the folders. Um, so how is so it think- better? How is it better for you than MAMP was, or how is it better for you than Homestead was? Uh, I actually. MAMP was so long ago, I don't really remember it. I was probably on like version two or version three. Hmm. So I don't, I can't really compare it very well to MAMP. I just know, like you have said, that I've seen a lot of people in the craft slack complaining about it. And then in terms of Vagrant, I never actually used Homestead. I uh, actually created my own Vagrant box. That oh, I dear God, you bit. pulled an Earl. Ha! 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Go ahead, Jalen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, valet. I mean, I, one of the things I did want to address is if any of our listeners have been following in the craft slack recently, there's been a lot of people like my valet is broken. And uh, recently, Brew moved um, PHP. It used to be in, a, in an external tap, and they moved it to the core homebrew uh, repository and also renamed it. And that broke quite a few people's setups. So hmm. I've been trying to help people uh, fix their valet setups here and there. So I think that's probably this is making biggest. Earl. This is making Earl say, "See, you well, know that." That's the other thing too. Is that I just want to clarify something. Homebrew is Mac exclusive, right? Correct. Yeah. So anybody Correct. that is running a Linux box is just not using Homebrew. You know. Correct. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you're you're using a, whatever package manager that you like to use. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, whatever. And they do have an external fork like Valet for Windows, but I've. I'm not a Windows user, so I'm not sure how reliable that is. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, I mean, that's probably the biggest downside of Valet, in my opinion. It's not like Vagrant or Docker, a containerized setup. Right. So I can't have my, if I had a coworker, I couldn't have them set up the exact same way easily. Mm-hmm. Um, just helping all these people like I have been in the craft slack, I've just realized how many people have different, you know, bash setup files and stuff, you know, paths right. that totally screw up uh, what their valet setup looks like compared to mine. So yeah, so for anyone, who's, for anyone who's listening, so valet is sort of a kind of a hybrid thing in that you're going to install all of the um, packages like PHP and other stuff that you want. You're going to install those directly on your Mac using Homebrew, right? And then valet is kind of this thin layer that runs on top. And I think the reason why it's relatively popular is that you're using a a standard system to install all of this stuff, which is brew, right? Which is great until they change stuff, apparently, right, Jalen? They just broke everything. Um, That doesn't happen every day. Yes, it doesn't happen every day. But then also, Valet is a very thin layer. Um, And so it's kind of nice for local dev because you're you're not running any kind of a, a heavy... Um, containerized thing or a heavy uh, VM like you would be with with Homestead, and I think that's probably the reason it's kind of popular, right, Jalen? Correct. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I would say. Well, it's just it's pretty easy. I think it's easier to set up, in my opinion, than like Vagrant or Docker. Right. There's far far less steps. Right. And if you're already a Homebrew user, it's it should be pretty familiar. And that's what differentiates it from MAMP. I mean, first of all, there's no GUI. Um, there it's set up via the CLI, but it's pretty easy to get it set up. Um, but what, that's what differentiates it from MAMP in that you don't get the custom binaries of whatever they happen to want to include with MAMP in it. Um, you manage those yourselves via, via brew by installing this stuff. Right. Um, and Jalen, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but valet does allow you to switch between PHP versions, correct? Um, not, not out of the box. Is it Valet um, I mean, Plus that does it? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Valet Plus, yeah. which is uh, another fork that somebody has sort of started, uh, building some newer features on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, out of the box, Valet does not provide that. But again, since it's built on Brew, all you have to do is install, uh, the, the newer version or an older version, whatever version you want of PHP via Brew, and then just unlink the current version and link the new version that you want to start using. Yeah, that sounds less friendly than doing it via MAMP, though. 
Right. right. Correct. So, it is less <laughs> so Nathan, but it's, but it's kind of the same thing though. Like okay. it, valet and MAMP are actually very similar in that they aren't containerizing or really virtualizing anything. Right. They're just running binaries that are sitting somewhere on your system and providing a kind of a layer of DNS to to make your local dev envi- or your local dev URLs work. And that's why like valet is probably the fastest local dev environment and MAMP is not far behind because they're not you're not taking up a bunch of memory running a, a, a VM. You're just running binaries that are sitting on your system. So right. we've got Nathan who decided to come all the way over from Switzerland to join us because he <laughs> wanted to get in his two cents regarding Nanobox. So you as a designer developer that don't want to do DevOps, tell us why Nanobox is awesome. So for me, um, I, I think Jalen helped me about eight months ago when I first, I first started using Craft. And I kept running into problems using my using Homebrew, basically. No valet. Um, I just kept having problems. And right, So you were I, pulling in Earl, but you were yeah, doing exactly. it via Brew. Well, right? I upgraded to High Sierra, and then I had some issues, and I was just frustrated with right. the whole thing. So, right. And I had a Django project to, do, uh, to run, and Django uses virtual VNets. They've got their own wrapper for running a sort of semi-virtual environment. Um, and I was just frustrated with everything, getting getting my customer Ubuntu box up with Vagrant and stuff. So I just I did some Googling, or some rather some duck duck going. And I found Nanobox and I tried it out and I was blown away how quick and easy it was to get up get a project set up. It was it was a it was a breeze. And for me as a somebody I like GUI stuff. I'm I'm a bit MAMP I like that about MAMP, for instance. I like right. that I don't have to think about things. I just I mean, Nanobox doesn't have a GUI. Um, but it does have a very very simple um, CLI. You have a few commands to you know, to set the set everything up and to get a project up and running. It's it's a piece of cake. So and Nanobox, that, as we mentioned earlier, used to run on on top of Vagrant, which is a full on VM. Yeah. Uh, but now is running on top of Docker. Now, well, this is a bit of a bit of a red herring as well. Okay. So right now it is still it uses it uses VirtualBox. Okay. So when you when you install when you download the Nanobox DMG. Mm-hmm. Um, and you install it, and it creates. Um, it has a sort of. It's, it's all hidden away, but it's a vagrant setup that connects to your uh, to to, to VirtualBox basically. Hmm. And then you configure your. You have a box file, which you configure your different containers like um, a data a data.db container, a web.craft container. You can call it what you like, and a storage container. And when you that's so, so that you've got Docker containers for the different things you might need. It can be a Redis, um, it can be anything, Elastics, it can hit you, whatever, whatever containers you want, you can use. So it's running Docker inside of the VM? Yeah, but that's going to change. I, I say that now because they've, I just had a preview last night from the new version from the guys from Nanobox. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've, the new version is uh, a little bit different. It's using Docker Compose for local dev mm-hmm. and it's Docker, a Docker Staller, no more VirtualBox. Interesting. Now, some of the issues that... And it's unfortunate that uh, Tim Kelty couldn't make it today because he was going to be discussing Docker. But some of the issues with running Docker um, as a development environment on the Mac is performance. Um, yeah. The performance is has not been good for quite some time. Um, and my understanding is that they're they're working on it, but it's still just not there. Um, have you had any kind of performance issues with uh, Nanobox? 
I had once some weird thing, and I don't know if it was performance related or something to do with a corrupt my host's file or something. Mm. Because when you when you create you you can create a new DNS, like you can say um, add nanobox add DNS my project dot local. Right. Um, and I had some weird thing once. I restarted my computer and it was gone. That problem. So I don't even know what that problem was. But performance wise, it's been great. I haven't had any on the the type of projects I do, which are me, small to medium websites, I haven't had any problems at all. So, and this is something that Earl might actually be able to speak to because I know that he has worked on uh, some Docker-based projects before. And my my big thing with Docker is like I love the idea, and I've heard some very smart people uh, promoting it for quite some time. So there must be something to it. And I I really like the idea of containerizing things. But the real gain from where I see it is that is when you use Docker, the Docker container in your local dev, and then you use the exact same Docker container on your staging site, and then you use the exact same Docker container on your live production site, right? Mm -hmm. And I just haven't found where, and I think that's the real benefit in using it because you have a containerized deterministic setup of just the things you need for this project and you use the same thing in local dev, same thing in staging, same thing in production. Right. But the amount of effort that it takes to do that, I just haven't seen the payoff. Now, Earl, what was... Go ahead. That's where Nanobox comes in because you don't have to think... I don't know anything about Docker. Literally, I had to read about... I heard, I, Hacker, Hacker News, I saw tons of threads about Docker and I was like, what is the thing? Right. It's, the new, it's the new fancy. And... <laughs> Then I started using Nanobox, and I still didn't know what Docker was, but it worked. <laughs> right. I well, just didn't care about that, you know. Just everything worked as I expected it to. Right. And you're you're kind of using a hybrid setup um, in that VirtualBox is still in the mix, and when you go to deploy to production, you're not running a Docker container on your server, right? It is. It has. Um, so I you you run Nanobox deploy. I and, see. And it deploys from your local machine. It can be, you can have a GitHub hook and all this if you want, but mm-hmm. I, I don't do it like that. I'm a single one-person shop. I just hit Nanobox deploy and it deploys my code base um, to the serv- to the server. And I use I use Vulture right now. Right. Um, I sometimes use DigitalOcean as well. But it, but it's and, not going to be running VirtualBox on the Vulture server, No, no, right? no. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a local Docker, Docker containers on the server. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, pre- there, in that case, I think you are seeing the benefit that I was talking about. Yeah, definitely. And they yeah. what's what I like about what they've done is they've they've taken away all the complexity of Docker. Mm. Sounds neat. So Earl, yeah. what was your experience with Docker? Yeah, Nanobox sounds light years better than uh, my experience with with Docker. Um, I I worked with Docker, uh, you know, for it was a client setup. I was just doing some a little bit of work. Are you uh, traumatized? Because I, I remember there was a lot of setup. It was it was brutal, man. Yeah. It really and like they had really good documentation. Right. Uh, I mean, the main, I think the main issue to be fair that we ran into was their, their documentation was based on um, that they're a Mac, they're a Mac shop. So I'm trying to hack stuff together on a Linux machine, you know, missing. So like I didn't have homebrew. So, you know, a lot of their stuff was homebrew. But yeah, the, the, the overhead for, and I wasn't even, that's the thing is I wasn't even building an environment from scratch. I was just trying to use somebody else's Docker container. Um, the, yeah, the setup was. It, it took for it took forever, and there was so much back and forth. It just felt like a lot of a lot of waste of time. But now, Nathan, I, I got to admit that you have told me something about Nanobox that I wasn't aware of, and you've gotten me you gotten me interested. I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have a look at it. Um, but Excellent. why don't we why don't we get Patrick it, in here? It sounds like it sounds like um, 
like Nanobox is sort of for Docker what Homestead and Forge want to be for like yes like, or what Homestead wants to be for Forge, right? It's like it's handling this uh, congruency between dev and production by sort of provisioning, if you will, like the environment that Docker runs in because Docker doesn't care where it runs. But we can all agree that Docker is really hard to set up wherever it runs. But yeah. once you're inside Docker, then you get this nice, you know, you can just move containers around and, and it all works. And so, like, um, that's really interesting to me. I'd never heard of Nanobox before, like, two minutes ago. And, right. yeah. um, and so, I, I'm very, very interested in that. So that's in, very in, succinct what you said. That's a very good description, I think, yeah. So in... in uh... In fairness, for equal time, so Patrick, why don't you get in here? And you said you're a reluctant valet well, yeah, user. So I, I think I want to spend most of my time asking about Nanobox now. Yeah, so I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> now I'm interested. Yeah, so I, I use valet. Uh, gosh, going back, we had used MAMP and kept on just running into issues where, yeah, where you would have uh, you, MAMP loves to put all these little hooks into your PHP.ini and your MySQL conf and all this stuff, and it was just a never-ending battle of trying to make the GUI and the command line, you know, configuration stuff work well. Um, never was completely happy with it. Uh, moved over to Valet, I think, for the same reasons that Jalen said. It, it's nice and clean. It runs quickly. Um, it is like MAMP, where there's a, a CLI. Um, and I'm hearing just a little bit of echo, um, but there's a CLI just on top of good solid technologies. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really just allowing you to orchestrate these, you know, things like DNS mask and nginx, PHP, etc. Um, but yeah, it, it always, you know, and I think you'll probably talk more about Homestead. But it, it is nice to have an isolation between your day-to-day -day machine and where you're using Slack and email and right. everything else, and you know, the sacred place it is where you write your code. So I always am a little afraid of, of having all that live together. Um, at the same time, though, and, and, you know, this has always been my reluctance towards something like Homestead or Nanobox. It always feels like there's a single point of failure. There's, you know, one Docker file or virtual machine or whatever that if I accidentally blow that one file away or that one package away, however we want to think of it, like everything is just self-contained. It's, you know, like Horton here is a who there's this entire little thing just like sitting in that file. And, um, <laughs> you know, if I accidentally destroy it once, everything's going to be gone and it's not being, um, you know, backed up by the, the system wide backup that I use on my, on my computer. So right. that's always been my reluctance. I, I've played around with Homestead, but I think once I like destroyed a, I like, I don't know, I, instead of like turning it off, I think it destroyed the VM. And next thing I knew, yes. everything was blown away. No, but here, um, so here's the thing about that. And I'll, I'll get into it more and Jonathan and I'm sure will as well when we talk about Homestead. But you should be able to nuke your Homestead box with not a whole lot of repercussions. So no it, repercussions at all. Yeah. Not so the database. So yeah. if you, if you're store, well, the database, well, but you have a system yeah. set up like I do where I'm pulling the database from somewhere else. So it's not a big mm. deal. You know, that's okay. the, like yeah. when I, I have nuked my, uh, my homestead box many times and getting it back up and running is not a big deal. You, some get polls, some database polls well. and away we go. You know, yeah, right. the database, the database was always my holdup for, yeah. for homestead because, well, clearly you haven't. Safe. Clearly, you haven't been reading my articles on database syncing. <laughs> 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 but 
But uh, you do have the best articles on database syncing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone everyone so, knows. So, Patrick, you you would say that you consider Valet to be a step up for you from MAMP, but you still are kind of reluctant. Yeah, it's just, it's just that feeling that everything's living in the same place. If mm-hmm. I you know, I, I'd say once, sometimes even twice a year, I like to do a complete nuke of my entire Mac and just reinstall things and, and just, right. you know, um, yeah, nuke and pave the whole thing. And it, and it is a more involved process bringing Valet back because it is so deeply entwined to, mm-hmm. the, to the whole Mac. So, you know, the idea that I could have a Homestead instance that I can just spin right back up is, a you know, pretty tempting. Um, I, I'd love to hear more about Nanobox from Nathan, though. So, are you using Nanobox not just for local development, but also in production? Or, yes. yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm just looking at their webpage a little bit. Yeah, what, are and you I'll, using a? Yeah, uh, go ahead. I, I, I'll, I'll let Nathan speak to it, but he basically said that there's a uh, a way that you do the deploy, and it's just running Docker on the actual Vulture server in his case. Um, right. So it's a it's a whole round trip where the same containers that things run in in your local dev are the exact same containers that they run in on the production environment. Right, Nathan? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Well, and so is, is, there an, is there an intermediate build step? Like, uh, how, how do you, like if the project requires that it be built, like you have to run a build, is that part of the uh, a nanobox deploy command that does that, or it does it remotely? Or You can do either. They have uh, before and after hooks, which right. you can do that kind of thing. And I have, for instance, in my... In my production, in my deploy, my nanobox files, boxfile.yaml, I have, um, I run my gulp command on the server. I don't care. Right. I don't, I don't, some people say, oh, you should run it before you run the nanobox deploy command. I don't care. I just have that. And so I have a, a few things that in the de- happen in the de- deploy process. Um, but it deploys it and nothing happens until the deploy is finished. When the deploy is finished, it's, um, it's, I don't know how it works exactly, but they, um, you never it's have magic. Downtime. Yeah, it's you magic. Have, yeah, <laughs> right. it really is. You never have downtime. They have. You're, you're spinning up this new container yeah. in the in, in whatever environment, and then when the container is done building itself, it just you know flips the switch, and now everything points to the newly built container. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds really neat. Um, but Jonathan, let's give you a chance, um, and I'll chime in on it a little bit too to talk about. Homestead and what it is and why you why you use it. Yeah, so I probably should be doing exactly what Patrick does, where he tears down his Mac twice a year and rebuilds it because I'm <laughs> super paranoid about like junk, you know, just building up on my machine. I never clean out my downloads folder. I've got stuff all over the place. So I, I like Homestead because I feel like it's sort of sh- sort of shielding me from a little bit of that. I mean, when you have a project. And you're installing like tons and tons of dependencies. Like if you use Yarn or NPM or whatever, it's downloading tons of dependencies, and it has to install binaries sometimes. So I like the idea that all of this stuff is like segregated. I guess yep. on on the VM, I'm not installing like Phantom JS on my um, on my uh, local machine. I like that I can run the build um, in the VM instead of running it. Um, on my local machine with all of the packages that are required to do that. Um, and I just kind of generally like um, the segregation that I get uh, between this is my local machine that I work on and this is a completely separate environment um, 
that is apart from that. And I can sort of tinker with it and do whatever I want uh, without fear of screwing up anything on my uh, right. local environment. And it's exactly like, like I essentially with Homestead, which is what I use most of the time, it's essentially like I have Earl's Linux server running inside of my machine. Right? Yeah. But it's insulated in that I can do whatever the hell I want to it. Right. And I, I will say that if you are using Homestead and you think it's a catastrophe when you're, uh, if you have to nuke your uh, Homestead box, then you're doing it wrong. Because it should be as not big of a deal as it would be to spin up a new VPS um, if there's something wrong with uh, with any of your sites. Like to get uh, Homestead back up and running. Like if I, I I do it all the time where I nuke the nuke the box because I do horrible things. Right, I do horrible horrible things inside my VM, um, and to get it back up and running should be really trivial. Like it should involve doing a, a Git pull and doing a database pull, and then you're done. Right, and that, that really should all it all it should be. So, yeah. Patrick, you should have life without fear from the from the point of view that it it just it should not be a big deal if your homestead box. And if you're experimenting with stuff like I know Andrew, um, you're doing a lot with um, like static caching these yep. days. Doing yep. that also. So this can be tricky sometimes to get this working. Um, maybe you have like an e-commerce site and you're experimenting with, okay, well, I have a static cache. How do I skip the cache properly when somebody has something in their cart or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. So it would be really hard to, um, to, to play around with this in like a valet type environment. Yeah. Um, and, and because if you screw something up, you screw something up. If you screw it up in, in Homestead, then you just nuke the entire box and start over. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I realized that I'm an exception here because if you're just doing web development, then you're not really going to see the benefits of having your own VM the way that I do, because I'm doing all sorts of, you know, horrible server side stuff that I really do need to be able to hack into a real Nginx server or a real, you know, whatever. Um, and to do things like experiment with static caching and to, to get the Nginx config optimized and do all this kind of fun stuff that, I want to be able to that when I make a mistake, okay, no big deal. You know, I just nuke the box yeah. and I start over again. And I don't have to go through what some people go through with Valet, where I'm, you know, I'm spending hours in brew, like reinstalling this or reinstalling that. And I've even seen it where people nuke their actual machine to the extent that they can't do any work, <laughs> like like anything, until they get it fixed, right? right that's the case with Valet, because, yeah, if you screw something up, you're not going to be doing anything profitable until you've get it, got it fixed. Right, right. and and the kind of tinkering that I'm doing, like, I need to have something that, if I screw something up, all right, you know, I'll throw it away and I'll start over again, no big deal, uh, and get it back up and running. And that is the, the primary reason why I continue to use uh, Homestead, is for me, having an actual VM uh, is really, really useful. Uh, and I realize and that, I that that isn't necessarily... I don't do nearly as much tinkering as you do. Right. I think for me, it's... I do a little bit, yep. but I think for me, it's more just... I like the philosophy behind Homestead right. more than um, having everything installed um, yeah. as binaries in my local environment. Yeah, and maybe, you know, we, we didn't uh, actually define kind of what it is. So Homestead is actually just a vagrant box, right? So vagrant is this uh, provisioning uh, software that runs inside of uh, a, a VM. And you can use VirtualBox, which is free, and there are 
parallels. There are all sorts of different ones. And Homestead is just a kind of provisioning, the same way that Forge is a provisioning for um, for your actual server. And one kind of interesting thing that I've actually done before is you can actually use Forge to provision your Homestead VM if you want. Yep. Right? You can easily just spin up uh, a Vagrant VM, and then you can just provision it with Forge uh, as if it's a you know publicly available server anywhere. And I like that. I mean, I really like that I have a real server sitting here, and it's kind of like what Earl has where he's got a, a staging server, but I can take it anywhere. I can be in the middle of the Swiss Alps, you know, with no internet whatsoever, and I can do all my work. I've got my VM right there. I can do absolutely everything. Um, do you frequently work from the Swiss Alps? I was gonna say, which is like, you, what are you doing in the Swiss Alps? If Every other weekend, money, at least. <laughs> can I can I come work for you? You're doing vacation wrong. At, at least every other weekend, I'm up there. Um, <laughs> I, thought had, I thought you had sold your Swiss chalet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to get into it. It's a lot. There's some shell corporations involved. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's a whole legal. Yeah, it's we, about yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, you know, some other time. But um, you know, Andrew, Andrew swaps out Swiss chalets like he swaps out VMs. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but the, the, the other difference between, in addition to be able to use it without an internet connection, the other difference between uh, what I'm doing and what Earl's doing is that I'm completely insulated. Like if I fat finger, finger it and I nuke the database, doesn't matter, you know, because it's all on my local self-contained environment. If I'm editing the, the Nginx config and it's on the same... Uh, server as live production and I screw something up, you know, the server's going down, right? Um, so I like having that kind of layer of insulation. Now, the downsides to Homestead is that it is slower, right? I mean, you are actually running an actual VM inside of your computer. So it's not going to be um, as fast as something like Valet. Um, I will say that on my, my current setup, I don't ever notice slowness as being an issue. Right. Um, but that I is was going to reach that point too. It's like it is technically slower, but how many people have perceived it to be so slow that it's noticeable to them? I mean, I, right. I don't know. It's a, that seems like a non-issue to me. Well, and I like the fact that um, you know it comes with everything pre-installed and pre-set up for me. I don't have to go through Brew and try and yeah. install this package, install that package. Xdebug is on there. Node Yarn's is on, on there. there. Yarn, everything is on there. It's on there. And I can connect. Composer. Yeah, everything. And I can connect to Xdebug via PHP Storm and step through code, trace things, output, you know. I mean, I, from a kind of real kind of nerdgasm style development, I mean, I just find it to be really, really useful. So there. Can I jump in? Do it. Do it, Nathan. Can I jump in? Yeah. So, so Nanobox has a similar thing where they're right now, and it's going to be like this in the future with the next release as well. You have your local environment. Then you can run a command, Nanobox dry run. You're mm-hmm. basically running a dry run server as if it was live on your local box to test everything. And it's awesome. For me, this is like uh, nerdgasm stuff because right. I used to always have problems between getting my Django app or my PHP projects from the past running as if on the server. Like I, did, I would often deploy something and, oh, shit, you know, right? what's happening? And it didn't work. And Nanobox, is, it's, what you're saying reminds me very much of Nanobox that, that you can... Uh, you could run a, 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 a as if server on your local machine. But that's the, the reason that works, though, is because you have VirtualBox and Vagrant. If they get rid of that layer, how is that gonna how is that gonna still work? 
using Docker Compose. Docker Compose is a similar, as I understand it, a similar. Right, Rog, maybe can. Yeah, so it's it's again, Docker doesn't care where it runs. It doesn't care if it runs in Vagrant or on your your kind of base computer kernel or on a DigitalOcean box or an, an Amazon box or a Vulture box, whatever, it doesn't care. Uh, everything above the layer of the Docker container, that's where your parity is from environment to environment. So like the hard part is getting Docker set up wherever. Right. But once you have the Docker layer, you can take that container and move it wherever and it works in exactly the same way. Right which is the, the magic, which is sort of, a, again, a parallel concept to your, your vagrant box inside of, um, you know, whatever, virtual box or, or parallels or, or whoever, right? You, you, that vagrant box, it can move to anywhere that you have this virtualization layer set up. You can put that vagrant box on top of it and everything above that layer works the same no matter where it is. Right. Which is really, I mean, it sounds like a really, really cool thing. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you what, what I currently recommend for most people is Valet. Um, and then for people like me that really want a Homestead VM, you know, I, I recommend that. But I am very, very interested in checking out Nanobox now, Nathan, because it, uh, it sounds pretty interesting. And if you, I mean, you're you're advertising yourself as primarily a designer developer who just wants to get stuff done and if you're able to spin this up and, and get this stuff working for you and i mean it sounds pretty compelling yeah. that's pretty much true yeah and and i don't just to be clear i don't work for them <laughs> yeah how much how much of a kickback are you getting for this <laughs> I, I, think, wish. I think i think you undersell your technical ability just a little bit oh yeah for sure um, but but no i mean it like valet is really good if you just want really fast performance and you don't need parity between your dev and production environment. Right. Right. Like if you're doing like a little throwaway project or you just want to, you want to test something out real quick or, um, you know, you don't really need to care about the differences in your configs between your, your dev server and your local. I mean, Valet, I think doesn't even run Nginx, right? Valet runs some other, Really I think it does thin. now. No, I think it used to run yeah. Sidecar. Oh, okay, okay, so it does now. Okay, so maybe there's a little bit Caddy more. Caddy used to run. Yeah. Or Caddy, I'm sorry. Caddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but anyway, so like if you're just doing a throwaway project or a test project or you're experimenting with something and you just want like a server really fast with no effort um, and you want it to like blaze on your machine, that's the the value set for, for for to dig down and configure something and be able to nuke it if you mess it up and start over easily, that's a great case for something like Homestead or Nanobox. So I, I want to interrupt real quick. Did you guys hear the dog bark? Your dog? Yeah. A while no. back, but not just now. So what yeah. we've been doing, the dog has been coming over and making noise, and I, I gave her like a chew to make her go away and leave us alone while we're talking. And she quickly figured that out, and she's been coming back with in increasing speed. Yeah. <laughs> I fed her like half a bag yeah, of these dog chews. Yeah, she, she's gaming you. you she's you getting pissed off. If you feed a dog a chew, it's going to so, want. <laughs> yeah, right. So I realized that, you know, different tools for different people, different projects. 
But how do we convince Earl to use something? Like, Earl, have we convinced you at all? Or does this, this talk just sound like it's more of a headache to pick one of these things than any benefit that you would get from it? Uh, it sounds like a tremendous headache. Um, <laughs> uh, however, uh, Nathan keeps using uh, the phrase, I don't want to think about it. Right. And man, I can get on board with that. Right. Uh, so Nanobox, uh, I, I definitely, I definitely want to check it out. And again, I, I recognize this stuff is I just the motivation for me as a as a you know one man uh, shop isn't isn't quite there. Uh, and again, like especially, I don't do nearly nearly as much tinkering as you do. So right. uh, the idea of destroying something uh, and when it happens, I'll you know I'll text you at three in the morning and let you know like I did it. My phone will be I, off. I did, no, it doesn't matter. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll get through. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean I know it's I know it's the right thing to do and and. Uh, I just yeah. But here's the well, thing. And you know, we, we keep saying pull it we, we keep saying like, oh you pulled an Earl, like building your own box is bad. Right. And I actually like I think everybody ought to, once in their life, like set up their own PHP Nginx oh, I've done server. It. Oh yeah. Right. Like it's you know, spend a day and just toil through it because you will come out of that experience A with a layer of DevOps knowledge that's really useful, and B, with so much uh, greater appreciation and yes. ability to decision-make about these tools. I, I had to do that yourself, this week, Michael. I had to do this can, this week. I was just about to say, have you done that recently? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I had to do that this week, and you know what? Like I, I set everything up manually, and my one thought was, like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, I, that really was what I was thinking is, God damn, I wish I could just use Forge for this thing. I mean, honestly. Yeah. But I do agree that you're going to gain a lot of knowledge by doing it. And y what you may learn may also be that I don't want to have to do this. <laughs> you know? Well, that, you are guaranteed to learn that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, you will, what you will also learn, yeah. like, not only will you be able to solve some of these more esoteric problems just because you have some domain knowledge now, yeah. but you can look at all of these different tools and compare their feature sets and really like compare and contrast what their values are um, versus you know what they require from you. And you can make that decision so much more wisely if you just have the knowledge and the pain right. of having done it yourself. And I, and I get where Earl is coming from because I think we all have been through it at one point or another when we were first looking at picking up something new. Like, you know, uh, when we first started using Grunt or when we first started using Gulp and do I really want to learn this stuff? And But then after you actually get up to speed doing it, you come to realize how much better of a experience it's going to end up being for you. Um, and I, I really do think that that is the case here, Earl, yeah. where, yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass and you may not realize how useful it is for you to have some kind of a, a, a decent local dev setup until after you've done it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, my, my number one concern is I just don't want to, I, I want to be able to refer to myself as a cowboy coder. <laughs> uh, and so I feel like if I, if I set any of these things up, I'm just, I, it would be disingenuous for me to say that. You know, in all of the what you should do is just come down, come down to Texas yeah. and come rodeo with me. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> because whenever I'm at the rodeo, but I'm coding, yeah, I'm, right. I'm wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots 
and I can legitimately say I am a yeah, cowboy that's coder. That's as legit as I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not actually doing anything that you know causes pain to me or my clients. Right. So it's it's yeah. best of both worlds, and I, I invite you to Texas anyway. <laughs> awesome, so thanks. for anyone who's listening, he's actually not kidding. He really does go to a rodeo and wear a, a cowboy hat. My favorite picture of me in the whole wide world is I'm like – leaned up against a bale of hay like <laughs> with my laptop and my like my, you know my boots and my hat and I was sitting against this bale of hay with my laptop writing code and just like this perfectly encapsulates like my ideal self and uh, and I, I encourage this lifestyle for, for for all of you please just come come visit me and, uh, and we can all be we can all be cowboy coders together oh, sweet i want to go to andrew's chalet and be a swiss coder mm. oh, also that that's, that's that's actually not a bad not a bad second place yeah so nathan to, i think it, it's vision a new one though nathan i think it's really cool that you've been on here because i think there are a few people here that uh maybe are gonna check out nanobox and see what this new hotness is like and see if it uh makes yeah. sense I think that I am I am definitely going to check it out um, because sure. there will be some projects that will make sense. Um, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to keep using uh, an actual VM for quite some time um, just because of some of the horrible things that I want to do. But I think it's really interesting to hear all of these different perspectives and different tools that we can all use with the, the same end goal in mind, which is to be able to uh, code without fear. And to only show the client the finished work, you know, they don't need to see how the sausage is made. They just needed to see the nice end result of it. Right. Yep. That's, that's, that's the goal, right? That is the goal. So unless anyone has anything to add, I mean, uh, I think we're kind of winding stuff down, right? Did anyone not get to say something that you really wanted to say about your, your chosen development environment? I have one small thing, but um, may I? Yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah. Uh, somebody else wanted to say something. I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> but um, one one thing that that has come up on on on, on Slack, the Craft Slack, uh, it came up a few times. People were worried about, oh, this Nanobox is this new thing in town. What happens if the company gets bought out by, I don't know, let's say Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> Is that really so bad? <laughs> no, well, that's another de- that's another podcast. Another I reckon podcast. we're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so because they're a company that they've they're using all this open source software, but they they're a, they're a profitable company that's or a, they're not a non profit. They want to make money, and they're right. building this. So so a lot of people have been saying, okay, this hobby package that's for free is that going to go away? And what's the goal and and so on and so forth. So I actually asked them clearly about it and they said um, the company's health than ever been, the sales are higher, they, they're they devs at heart and they're going to keep, they just, I, I said I'd say it because I kind of felt that it came up enough. I don't know if you remember Jalen, we once had a conversation about it with a, in a thread with some other people and that was a big worry. Like, And, and Nanobox yeah. sounds like an interesting mix of a local dev environment combined with a provisioning and deployment service like Forge, right? I mean, it sounds like they're trying to encapsulate the end-to-end. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly, that's how I actually landed on it because I wanted to use Forge um, for for a Python project. And I was like, hey, wait, Forge is only PHP, what the hell? And I tried to find something similar and I couldn't find anything. And then I found Nanobox. Python doesn't come installed with Forge? It's Forge and Homestead in one. Right. Well, like and I think that's the really smart. And the virtualizer. Yeah, and I think that's really smart because it's trying to solve the problem end to end. 
Yeah. Yeah, which is, I, I think that's, uh, that could be very, very compelling uh, in terms of the pe- being able to do very sophisticated things without having to do a whole lot of work to make it happen. You guys are going to be so jealous when I jump in a nano box. I'm like, look at all the sweet stuff I can do. And I got to skip all the homestead. And, yeah. And well, and you're, you're going to come over and you're going to show me how it all works. So yeah, true, I, don't to, I don't have to learn it. Yeah, that's yet. fair. Right on. <laughs> well, very, very cool. So I, I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS feed or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Always helps. And you can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Earl Johnston. I'm Jonathan Melville. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Michael Rogg. I'm Jalen Davenport. And I'm Nathan Carido. Fantastic. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. everybody and i'm pretty sure that michael's wi-fi has ruined yet another podcast (laughs) i swear to god like i did the speed test i had a t1 connection going into this episode and then as soon as you hit record i dropped i think i'm probably gonna have to use the fallback recording but we'll see because i think it only recorded part of it and this dog is driving me insane